Hi everyone, welcome to Aberrant Behavior. It's your host, Christabel. Oh my gosh, it has been approximately three months or more since I've recorded. Live has been hectic. Actually, maybe a couple months ago, I recorded an episode that I was going to put out, but I never got around to it because... I was working a lot. Um, I didn't get to edit the episode, so then I never um, uploaded it. But today is a wonderful day because it is the day after I turned 35. Yesterday was my 35th birthday. Um, I would say it was pretty uneventful, apart from the fact that I was in my first ever hurricane Yes, I was, um, well, we're currently in Cancun. My partner and I were in Cancun on vacation and um, we did not look at the weather when we were booking the vacation. We just wanted to go somewhere. Um, and I'll come, I'll come back to why we just really wanted to go somewhere. But here we were, um, we had just ordered full, uh, what is it, room service, a couple hours before, and then we get a call saying that we had to come downstairs. We had to pack a suitcase, come downstairs, and we're evacuating because a Category 4 hurricane was being uh, projected to um, touch, how'd you say it, touch land in Cancun. So yeah, we had to leave, and uh, we we were evacuated to a shelter. And remember, this is still covid COVID time, were evacuated to a shelter, which turned out to be a hotel. And they had converted, I think, their conference rooms into these um, sleeping quarters, sleeping quarters. So it was about maybe 16 to 20 cots per room, super close to each other, and definitely no social distance in there. And people were not wearing masks. I just had a strategy of, okay, if this is what we have to do, I'm going to put on my N95 mask and I'm just going to try and read till I go to bed. My partner, on the other hand, was like, "Uh uh-uh. We have seen, we have just come from seeing the devastating effects of COVID. We're not staying here. (laughs) She found us, um, an Airbnb bribed, basically bribed some locals to ferry us to the said Airbnb where we ended up being really safe. It was a really, really safe location. They had like hurricane shutters and stuff. But let me tell you, I think the hurricane started at three o'clock. So from three o'clock to nine o'clock or something like that, I was terrified. It was so noisy so scary. The wind was so scary. I don't know how y'all who live in hurricane and tornado regions do this. I have a newfound respect for the resilience and the ability to know that there is a potential um, natural disaster coming your way, but still build a life that is the ultimate lesson in impermanence, knowing that even if it all breaks down, you can rebuild. But girl, I was scared, scared, scared. So that is how I turned 35. Under some blankets, behind some hurricane shutters, terrified <laughs> of wind. Um, but yeah, a lot has happened in the three months before, I mean, since I last spoke to y'all, 
for starters, we took, um, I have my Invisalign on this morning. I usually take it off when I'm recording. So I'm kind of like, uh, what's it called? Lisping. So if you hear anything like that, that's why it's just what it is. Um, but, um, in the three months since I last spoke to you, I took a contract, a COVID nursing emergency contract in Texas, in Southern, Southern Texas specifically. Um, it was a contract that, um, it's a, it was a government co- contract that necessitated a lot of nurses coming down to South Texas to help mitigate the effect of COVID, to help not like it not be as bad as New York was. And um, it was a very, very, very difficult contract on so many levels. And I will talk about it in detail um, some other time when I've had the chance to like kind of decompress and like process that experience. But long story short, we had to work. Initially, we were supposed to work 21 straight days and nursing hours, we work 12 hours a day, which usually means 15 waking hours, like working, doing something related to getting ready to work, going to work, coming back from work. So call it 15 hours a day, 21 days straight. That was the initial plan, uh, which I was like, okay, it's for only 21 days. I can do it. It's for a good reason. I am a strong nurse. I will be impactful. I will be helpful. I will make a difference. I let's let's go. Let's do this. Um, but then um, it turned out to be we work six 12-hour days, take one day off each week, and then repeat. We ended up staying a total of 11 weeks uh, working those hours. And when we first came, it was just a lot of death a lot of pain and suffering um, in a community, um, in a marginalized community, in a poor community, in a um, mostly Mexican community, because um, we were working on a town basically five to ten minutes from Mexico, because so it was a border town. So yeah, it was a lot, and I'm still kind of reeling from that experience. I did not um, anticipate to stay as long as I did. One of the biggest things that helped, um, me throughout the experience was being here with my partner who was also a nurse. Uh, we were working the same shift, the same hospital, um, staying in the same hotels, different rooms because, you know, (laughs) company policy. Uh, but yeah, that really helped me, um, cope with the just how strenuous it was. Um, I left there with my back just in shambles. I was in pain. I was just really on the precipice of like full-blown depression where I was just questioning um, my life values. Why did I stay this long? Um, was it because um, of the money? Was it because of like, anyways, yeah, I, ha- I, I have a lot of thought around that. And uh, once I'm able to process them, I will talk about them some more. But after spending those 11 weeks there, we were just like, pick a place on the map. Where can we travel to during COVID times? We're going. We are 
out of here. And so we picked Cancun because we knew there weren't going to be a lot of uh, uh, travelers yet. Um, It was relatively easy to get here and we could just kind of self-quarantine in the hotel and just like have minimal um, interaction with people. And it's sunny, it it has beach, it has sand, it has everything I love in the world. So we picked Cancun, (laughs) uh, picked a date on the map. Uh, We were like, okay, 14 days. Sounds good. We're going to Cancun for 14 days. Um, Not knowing that it was hurricane season. So ta-da to me uh, waking up on my 35th birthday to a massive hurricane. But here we are. (laughs) We made it. Uh, uh, we're back to the hotel from the Airbnb. Uh, they're setting things back up again and we're just going to spend the rest of the days just doing what we came to do, which is decompress and just like, whew, taking a breather, you know, but actually what made me grab, grab the microphone this morning to talk was because I woke up with a mini existential crisis. But honestly, I would say that like I was when I ranted about it on Instagram, I I said it's is it because I turned 35? But if I'm being honest, I have these like weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. I don't know. Some people would say weekly, but I I think I, I go, you know. I go longer in between them, but I basically had an existential crisis or what I'm calling an existential crisis where I was like, what am I doing with my life? What do I want to do when I grew up? Um, I have such a complex brain. I, we all do, but I process information and more and more I'm able to name it, but I recognize that I process information differently from how I perceive others around me processing information. I am very, I feel very scattered most of the time. I feel unable to focus. I feel, um, definitely can't do one thing at a time. I have to be like, if I'm watching a movie, I'm probably scrolling Instagram. I'm probably reading a book. I'm probably like listening to some music. I'm probably doing 10, 10, 10 things at one time at any given point. And I get my work done, mind you. Like at work, for instance, like uh, when, you, when we, as a nurse, you have to chart um, on the computer. But I, can, I see nurses just charting, like focused charting. I could never just chart. They make fun of me because for me to chart, I'm like watching a movie. So usually I this is probably like, don't do this as a nurse. I don't care. Do whatever makes you most efficient, honestly. But that's the word, that's the way I work best. After I've taken care of patients and just kind of like getting um, settled from the morning rush of medications and assessments and doctors and all the, and tests and all that. When I sit down to chart, I have to be watching a movie to make it possible for me to do. Um, I'm sure if I really tried really, really, really hard, I could do it without any distraction. So, um, but I don't have to. I can listen to music or watch a movie and then I can get through charting 
um, easier. So that's kind of how my brain is. I have to be doing many things at once. I don't work on a schedule. I get a flash of inspiration and it feels like pressured, um, like pressured speech. That's just an analogy, but I feel, I feel a pressure to get it out now. So when I have an idea for a podcast, it can be in the shower. I literally will step out like slightly wet, reach for my phone, put the note in. I've become, you know, I've come to do that more and more recently because I realized that when I don't put that idea down and it's gone, I can't recreate it as well. Like I can make it work and it will sound decent, but it won't have the same fire that the initial, like that came, that accompanied the initial idea. So once I'm able to put the idea down, I can then come back later to like, can I refine it? Most of my Instagram posts that has like really long text caption, it's done within, I'm talking like rapid fire five minutes. The post is all written. It doesn't matter how many words it is. Like it would just like fly out of my brain just like that. In case you can't tell what that noise is, I'm like... What's that? Um, Snapping my fingers. But yeah, that's how my brain works. And so I'm exploring and navigating ideas surrounding ADHD, um, being on, on a spectrum of some sort. But I'm not like, I'm not, I'm just, it's who I am. I don't have a problem with it. But the world around me doesn't work like my brain works. So there is some like adjustment pains there. Um, when it comes to being disciplined, consistent, um, seeing something through from beginning to end, having discipline. Did I say discipline already? Yeah. Discipline. (laughs) I feel like the world, um, tells me that this is something I, need to cultivate discipline, right? So I've taken it upon myself. Like, yeah, Christabel, you're lacking in discipline. Maybe you just need to work a little harder on that. There, I, I think it's it's not an either or. I think it's it's a dis end, this end where like, yeah, I could probably use with more like discipline and focus. But at the same time, when I force myself to do things in that structured manner, it lacks a certain fire that may not be recognizable to other people, but it's so acutely, like, I'm so acutely aware of it. I'm so acutely aware of, okay, Christabel, you sat down like you were supposed to and wrote that post, and yeah, people are going to be like, okay, it sounds good, but you know, you know that it's just okay. Um, so I guess, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of perfectionism there. You see, that's another idea. I'm like, <laughs> for the first time, like, um, entertaining that I have aspects of perfectionism is good enough, just good enough, right? Like if I write that post, um, if I took a structured, you know, writing time and wrote a post and it's good enough, should I just be satisfied with that? Why am I always chasing that fire? Why am I always chasing 
the passion behind, like, you know, so like, these are all like ideas and thoughts and musings that I have. And I, the reason why I'm, I podcast or write is I want to share this very normal human, my like process. It's, it's just, the way my brain works. Because when you look at social media, everything looks so curated. So, and I think honestly, that's beginning to change a little bit. But for the most part, everything still looks so curated, so perfect. Like people have it all together all the time. And I'm just here to present a different perspective. There are a lot of us that are hot messes all the time, but like amazing, beautiful hot messes. And as I tell you, I tell myself. As I remind you, I remind myself because that's really what it is. I'm not here to offer advice. Like, I don't know. Like literally, again, that's what I was ranting this morning, ranting about this morning. I don't know what I want to do. Like, I maybe I am doing it already, right? Like, why do I have to have um a thought and a plan and a like, you know, because <laughs> But that's what I was beating myself up for this morning, that I don't have a plan and I don't have a process and I don't have it all figured out. Um, So I go from that to being like, do I really need a plan? Why can't I just be in the moment? And that's just what I want to share and want to talk about, you know, to normalize just being human and being unsure. And another layer for me is, like when it comes to pursuing goals and dreams and stuff like that, I I really want to do a dedicated podcast to this because I did not have a dream of who I wanted to be growing up. Yo, I don't know how many times I have heard people say that. And I was listening to a podcast um, this morning, you know, and one of the... the it was Lovey's podcast. She was interviewing Brandon of Humans of New York. And when Lovey asked him what did he want to do when he grew up, he said his earliest memory was of him wanting to be a marine biologist because he liked playing in the water. Um, he liked playing with like marine um, shells and what, whatnot. And I cannot tell you that I have any memory of such. And it makes me feel like I'm alone, but I'm willing to bet that I'm not. I, so I lay in bed as I was listening to the podcast and I was like, okay, let's think back. Already my childhood memory is like trash, 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 trash. I don't remember anything. So me not remembering if I had a dream of who I wanted to be is not such an unusual thing. I just don't remember like uh, 80% of my childhood. Um, so again, that's a subject for another day. But I lay in bed and I was thinking, okay, Christabel, um, did you rem- Did you have an idea of who- what you wanted to be when you were five? Okay, no. Mm, how about when you were 10? 10, 10, 10. Nope. Uh, okay. How about when you were 15? 15. I had just, um, okay, I was in my third year of secondary school. I had one year to graduate before going to college. 
do you remember what you wanted to be in your third year of secondary school or high school? Um, I don't remember having an idea. I did not have any interest. I didn't have any passion. I didn't have any desires. <laughs> I didn't have any goals. Okay. Okay, college, right? Okay, you must have had an idea in college what you want it to be. Yeah, no dice. Not there either because I had just turned 16 that October and college started, I think, that January or maybe June or July. I don't remember. Um, I went to the college I went to because my mom determined that it was a good school. It was a private university. It was a seven-day Adventist university. The values aligned somewhat with Jehovah's Witness values. I didn't, you know, women didn't wear pants or makeup or short skirts. Okay, she was like, yes, that's a good school, even if I do have to pay a little bit more. Um, what course should you study, Christabel? And then my mom was like, oh, I know your uncle, my brother studied computer science in Canada, and it seems like it was a good choice. So, and this school, they offer computer science. So you're going to take computer science. I was like, okay, I'm going to take computer science. And as a 16 year old, College wasn't this big, like back home, you just went to college, like unless you could, you know, um, you couldn't, your family couldn't afford it. It was just a part of like, you go to high school, you go to college. Education wasn't complete until after college. Um, so I just was a 16 year old. My mom picked out my school. My mom picked out my, my major and that's just what I studied. So even as, as late as 16, 18 19, 20, 24, I did not have any idea of what I wanted to be. I did not have any clearly defined interests. The only thing I can remember I was supremely interested in and have always been supremely interested in was reading. That is the only constant that I can think of. I loved to read and I loved to look pretty. <laughs> Those are the two things I can look back on and be like, okay, that is, that is something that has been consistent throughout. Um, when it comes to like taking care of people, I'm from a collectivistic culture. We, that's just in my DNA, I love taking care of people. Um, so then when I came to the U.S. and I was trying to figure out, I, you know, I got laid off. Um, ugh, oh, my God. So many stories. So many stories. As a 21-year-old in the U.S., um, <laughs> when I got laid off my job at Hilton, a lot of Africans were nurses or LPNs or in the medical field in some capacity, so I was like, oh, I love taking care of people. And so I'm going to try doing live-in caregiving. And I did that. And <laughs> it transitioned itself to me going to nursing school. And ta-da, that's how come I became a nurse. And I'm a really good nurse. I'm really proud of that. Um, I'm a really good nurse. But for the first time, basically like in my 30s, 
I am having to dig and figure out what what lights my soul on fire. What are what is interesting? What, you know, what am I interested in? And I feel like a lot of my friends can I ask the this question of my friends once like what is it about me how have I impacted your life the most or what is it about me that stand out stands out to you the most the answers were very very consistent so I think my the things I'm passionate in have always been evident to other people but never to me until recently and it's it's taken a lot of like you know, therapy and getting out of religion. Cause that is the religion part is an, a big aspect of why I didn't discover my passions. Because again, I feel like I've said this a million times, but I grew up Jehovah's witness. I mean, I was raised and baptized as a Jehovah's witness when I was 13 years old. And one of the biggest tenets of Jehovah's witnesses is what is written in Matthew chapter six, verse 33 that says, uh, pursue first God's kingdom and all these other things will be added onto you. So like that was the bedrock of my life, of my education, of the choices my mom made. And, you know, for me, um, so like if you're raised with the goal being preach the kingdom of God, because you need to preach the kingdom of God so that Everyone in the world would have heard of God before his kingdom comes. That was my mission in this life. And to do that, I had to keep a simple eye. Um, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses are discouraged from even going to college, for instance, uh, because, I mean, how you always have to think, how do the choices you're making, how are those choices going to support your Christian ministry? If it's not going to support or enhance your Christian ministry, why the why the hell are you doing it? Basically, um, so it, get a sensible career. You don't have to love it because your passion again ought to be um, proclaiming the kingdom of God. So it's t- it's taken it's taken as in present tense. It's taken a lot of work for me to. Um, basically divest and unlearn those things. Um, it's taken a lot of therapy. It's taken a lot of just like sheer belief in self, despite the, um, the doubts. I have a lot of self-doubt, so much less than it used to be, but I actually incredibly less than it used to be. Um, and I thank so much my partner, like, because being in relation with her, she has always told me how amazing she thought I was or how talented she thought I was. And that has been a big, like, learning curve to believe someone on your behalf until you're able to believe yourself or believe in yourself. You just, for me, that's what worked. I, I kept, every time I would write something and she'll read it, she'll be like, 
oh my God, babe, that's amazing. I'm like, okay, I believe you. (laughs) I think it's okay. But if you think it's amazing, I believe you. And over the over the six years we've been together, just gradually, I've been able to kind of um, feed off of that. And also my therapist seeing me and believing in me and like just slowly and gradually, I've, a- I've been able to like inculcate those beliefs within myself where I can actually read something I wrote you know, I wrote and, and be like, yeah, girl, that was good. Yeah, girl, you can totally, um, live the life you want to live writing, um, you know, making good trouble, changing things and just like making an impact. And so, um, it's still a process though, when you have spent, so many years of your life being indoctrinated, especially the very early years of your life being indoctrinated into a religious ideology, I feel like it probably would take just as long to, um, if not longer, to unlearn it. Um, so I'm giving myself grace in that in that capacity. Um, the moments of just doubt and, um, um, fear and, and moments that I just want to settle, you know, I just want to be a good nurse. I just, you know, I just, I can work my three days a week and just call it a day. Um, I have those days because that just that's just easier, honestly. But then I have to remind myself that I don't have all these thoughts and ideas and capabilities for no reason. Um, I believe that my biggest work is service to self and to others, uh, and so to do that in my fullest capacity, I have to tap into the people that were before me, the Maya Angelou's and the Toni Morrison's and, you know, the people who were before me who used their gifts to serve mankind. And so that's what I wanted to talk about, a mishmash of all of the things. Uh, I am going to, after leaving Cancun, I'm going to get on a better schedule. I say that now, but we will see. But really, (laughs) I love doing this. I think it will be um, easier for me to stick to because, again, that's the other thing. It's easier for me to stick to things that I love to do. So, But I I hear that you're also supposed to do some things that you don't love to do. Uh, I don't know. But um, I cannot wait to record more and um, just like chit-chat some more. Thank you for listening and Thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday. Y'all. Okay, PPS. I didn't start celebrating my birthday till my 30th year. <laughs> um, so I've only been doing this for five years. But the love and I see why it can feel very intoxicating to celebrate your birthday. It's like the one day for you, you know? Uh, so thank you everyone who said something to me and wished me a happy birthday. I really, really appreciate it. I think, um, the next 
today, tomorrow is, is, is the net is the best day yet, you know, and I can't, I can't, I just can't wait to live life, um, in, in moving in purpose and passion and intention, um, even despite the fears and the, the self-doubt. So thank you uh, for witnessing me, for listening, for always like just being a cool crowd. I love you all and I will talk to you again soon.